It's Thursday, October 8th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Mark Reith, and joining me in studio today from Rule Breakers, David Kretzman, and from Motley Fool Pro, JP Bennett. You know, guys, it's good to see you. Good to be here. Good to be here, man. Happy to have you here. You know, there's plenty to talk about today, including bad news for GoPro and even worse news for Etsy. But you know what? We're going to begin with Domino's, which just announced third quarter results. And you know, JP, shares of Domino's are down a bit today, but it didn't seem like the company did all that badly this quarter. What's your take on the uh, on the earnings? Yeah, the numbers look pretty good. I think this is probably more of a case of a, a company Price to perfection, mm. and they don't meet Wall Street's estimates, and so the stock gets kind of hit pretty hard. But you know, domestic uh, comps were up ten and a half percent, down slightly from last quarter. International comps, we actually saw an improvement this quarter, up seven point seven percent. Then they had some foreign currency headwinds, and they they had another thing with the uh, insurance. They had a couple of really bad accidents, so mm-hmm. they they went and readdressed that. And so I think what was the net effect? So the insurance charge hit them by six. Six cents on the bottom line. Uh, foreign currency headwinds another six cents. So, I mean, all in all, it seemed like the business is performing pretty well. But when you know the market wants perfection and you don't deliver perfection, it's gonna right. impact you negatively. Right. And the currency headwinds. That seems like it's a cost of doing business these days. The the accidents. I mean, you lose a hand in a pizza pie. Whatever, man. That happens every now and then. I get it. I guess. Uh, the uh, you touched on this, and uh, uh, David. My question is about what I saw as the more important numbers for Domino's. Same store sales domestically climbed ten point five percent. International same store sales grew seven point seven percent. I thought that was very impressive, just because at least here in America there is a lot of competition in the pizza market. It's not just the big guys too, like mm-hmm. Papa John's, uh, Little Caesars, Domino's, Pizza yeah. Hut, all them. It's every mom and pop shop on every corner in every town in America. There's always a pizza place, uh, and yet Domino's was still able to improve same store sales domestically by nearly eleven percent. And it seems like there's also a lot of opportunity internationally. Talk to me a bit about the growth Domino's can expect, or we can expect from Domino's. And those numbers are really impressive because there actually aren't very many restaurants. Like, forget about just the pizza category. You look at restaurants across the board. There are very few restaurants that are putting up these sorts of numbers consistently. Mm-hmm. So, Domino's they mentioned that uh, this was their 87th consecutive quarter of international same store sales growth. Wow! So the company's doing. Quite well uh, when you're looking at restaurants and especially in the in the pizza space. So, over the past couple of years, they've opened about a thousand new stores uh, worldwide. They have about twelve thousand uh, total locations now. Uh, the company's really become quite innovative since Patrick Doyle became CEO several years ago, and he brought about the big pizza turnaround, where the company kind of acknowledged, "Hey, our product." It's kind of crappy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> People aren't <laughs> buying the pizza. They don't like the pizza. So they improve their their recipe, their ingredients. Uh, they really focus on boosting their digital presence so people can do online and mobile ordering more more easily. That makes it more of a, a sticky experience for consumers. Mm-hmm. So like once you have the Domino's app on your phone, you're probably going to go back to that more often than not. I know I do. Yeah, and it, so so that's worked pretty well. They've really done a good job with uh, the digital presence. Like the majority of their uh, employees at HQ are actually working uh, on on that digital platform. Hmm. Um, and th- then another big initiative that they announced uh, about a year or two ago um, is a transition to a pizza theater format. So they're essentially moving to the fast casual space, recognizing that this is what consumers want. Consumers want to see the product being made. Uh, they want to see their food being made as they go through. Just just a more transparent, open, welcome experience. So uh, by 2017, all of their uh, locations worldwide will uh, be in that new format. And they've 
Domestically, they're doing about 1,000 stores reimaged this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've already uh, reimaged about 3,000 stores internationally with that new format, and that's part of what's driving this really great uh, same store sales growth. So, really, I, I think the company is still kind of in the early stages of that pizza turnaround. Uh, they still have quite a few stores to reimage. They've seen really promising. Uh, results so far, so I think there, there's more to expect of that in the years to come. Absolutely, shares of Domino's are already up 15 percent year to date, and you say it's not too late to jump in? I don't think so. I mean, the, the, it's about a six billion dollar company, but uh, the pizza market is, is a big space. Mm-hmm. Uh, the company, I think, uh, they're they're doing a lot of initiatives that will, I think, attract more customers and retain more customers. So I think I think there's still uh, room for this to run in the coming years. JP, what's your favorite pizza place? I honestly don't really have one. You're not a pizza wow. eater. Uh, you're you're a marathon really, runner. Except, when, except when they bring it here to the fool. Right, all too often. Actually. <laughs> uh, all right, let's move on to GoPro. Uh, Morgan Stanley announced a dramatic price in its, pr- or excuse me, a dramatic <laughs> cut in its price target for GoPro. I guess the price itself is pretty dramatic. Uh, once upon a time, Morgan Stanley saw GoPro heading to sixty dollars, excuse me, sixty-two dollars a share. Now it believes the best GoPro can do is $35 a share. And for listeners out there who don't know, GoPro shares are about $28 right now, about $27.60 or something like that. Don't remind me. Yeah. (laughs) We'll get to that in a second, David. Uh, JP, why the cut? Uh, What is Morgan Stanley seeing here that is making them so pessimistic? I think it's just a case of they're seeing some of their new products really not go gangbusters right out of the gate. Mm. They're discounting some of them, so it's just kind of forcing them to step back and just reevaluate how big is the market for these guys. Yeah, and it's it's that was something we were talking about before the show too. Uh, optimists say that GoPro has a lot of room to grow. They've got yeah. drones, they've got virtual reality. Uh, whereas the pessimists say this is just another Kodak. It's 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 put itself into a corner. It's too much of a niche to really go anywhere from here. Uh, David, you follow GoPro. Let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. Where do you see GoPro going from here? I think there are a few uh, opportunities for the company. So you mentioned virtual reality. Uh, the drone is going to come out in the uh, first half of next year. Uh, the media segment of the company, I think, represents an opportunity. They just uh, launched GoPro licensing, where uh, they're licensing several hundred videos to start from uh, their users. So their users will capture the video. GoPro has this license licensing platform where advertisers can come and you know license that that footage because mm-hmm. uh, we, we know that people love watching uh, these GoPro videos that people capture that it is really unique footage so it's just a matter of can the company successfully monetize that and that GoPro licensing platform that's the company's kind of first real attempt to do that so we'll see if that works but that is an opportunity and uh, no I think uh, the the company's pricing power, I think, is actually still pretty strong. Uh, their top two selling cameras for a while now have been the GoPro for um, black and silver. So that's their five hundred and four hundred dollar cameras. Those two cameras, again, their highest priced cameras make up more than half of their total sales. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if, if GoPro was another Kodak or becoming uh, more of a Kodak or a Garmin, say. I would expect that their lower price cameras that are like $130 or $200 would be the top selling cameras, but that isn't the case. So people are going to these high end cameras that GoPro is putting out. The company, though, it isn't reassuring when they have to cut the price of their new products. They cut the price of the session camera from $400 to $300. Mm-hmm. They launch another camera that's $200. So we'll see if that you know these lower price cameras, if those cut into the sales of those higher price cameras, that could be a cause for concern um, as we go into the holidays. But right now, I mean, the company's grown sales 64% over the past year. They have more than half a billion dollars in cash with no debt. So the company can 
afford to go through some hiccups. Like mm-hmm. there, no company is going to do everything completely right. We'll just see if Nick Woman, who is who strikes me as a very visionary guy, he still owns thirty percent of the company. I think he's someone. He has a multi-year vision for the company. We'll see how the company does though the rest of this year. JP, do you own any GoPro products? I do not. Man, you're just a bummer. All right, (laughs) let's move on. Uh, Last but certainly not least, Amazon is striking again. The online retailer announced a new part of its business early Thursday called Handmade at Amazon. It is an online marketplace with over 80,000 items from about 5,000 sellers in 60 countries, according to the New York Times, uh, where these artisans can, you know, sell their goods through the Amazon marketplace. And Amazon clearly has a pretty wide reach. Uh, JP, we were talking mm-hmm. before the show. Etsy is is clearly in the crosshairs with this move from Amazon. Uh, Etsy uh, is the small uh, handicraft, I guess, marketplace uh, that we all kind of know. It went public recently. It's got about two billion dollars a year in sales, whereas Amazon makes about seventy five billion dollars in sales every year. So, I guess the question is, why does Amazon even care about such a small, almost blip on its radar? Mm-hmm. That's a really good question. I mean, why did they make a phone? Why do they do a lot of things? <laughs> we don't always uh, understand them, but I think there there could be some potential here. I know Etsy was, they've gotten some pushback uh, when they were doing some things to help people actually manufacture greater quantities, so it really wasn't handmade anymore. And in the past, if you were upset with Etsy, like you said, you had nowhere else to go. Mm. And so you're going to see some people kind of jump ship. And I think it's just a case of the more people we can bring into Amazon and kind of get them hooked, maybe doing this, eventually maybe they'll sign up for a Prime membership. And just kind of the more people they can bring in, right, through whatever it is, whether it's a phone that they try and doesn't really work out or it's a Kindle, the more people they can get into their system, the better off they are. So I think that's kind of their line of thinking with this one. Right. It's all about the ecosystem. Uh, what about Etsy? David, this has got to oh be boy. a huge <laughs> blow. If you're a shareholder of Etsy, you have to be wondering what the heck your company is about to do to, to counter this move. I'm actually a little underwhelmed by uh, what what Amazon's doing. So they're they're launching with about eighty thousand items to start. Yep. Mm-hmm. Etsy has one and a half million active sellers. Mm-hmm. So Amazon, you assume that you know each seller probably has two or three items that they're selling. So Amazon has, you know, it, it's a drop in the bucket compared to what Etsy has. So Etsy's platform is going to be okay. Like there's, I I'd be shocked if someone leaves Etsy to go and joins Amazon just for. Um, this new platform that Amazon's launching. That said, this platform will certainly, um, you know, grow. I, I think, uh, you know, Amazon. They, um, they they mentioned that they're they're not asking their sellers to be exclusive to their platform. So right. I think they're fine if you know you're selling your stuff on Etsy or Amazon. That's fine. So Amazon will certainly try to grow this ecosystem. But I actually wouldn't be surprised if Amazon tries to acquire Etsy within the next two or three Ooh. years. So Etsy right now it's about one and a half billion dollar valuation. It kind of reminds me a little bit about uh, Amazon and Zappos about six years ago. So Amazon was trying to acquire Zappos, but Zappos didn't want to be acquired. So Amazon launched its own uh, site called Endless.com. You know, pumped a bunch of money into it, competed with Zappos for a couple of years, kind of wore the company down. Then the recession happened. Then Amazon jumped in and acquired Zappos. But Zappos is still an independent company, and they've done quite well under Amazon. So I wouldn't be surprised if. You know, Amazon. They try to they scare Etsy a little bit. They compete with Etsy, and maybe acquire the company. They certainly have the cash. They have the cash flow to do it. Uh, and Etsy is growing sales about you know fifty percent a year. So it, it could be a potential 
acquisition target. But right now, the platform now, I, I'm not that impressed with what Amazon has so far compared to Etsy. I think you are a lone voice of reason right now. Every other headline is the Etsy killer, handmade at Amazon. Well, David Garner on uh, shameless plug for the Rule Breaker Investing <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> wrong with it. He he recently had an episode where uh, he talked about anytime you see something like the iPad killer or you know. W- you know, such and such killers, the Chipotle killer. That's usually a sign. Maybe it could be a contrary indicator to like hmm. buy that stock or buy that company because that usually means that company is the best at right. what they do. They're the leader, and people are following them. So, what, you know, USA Today had a column. You know, Amazon launches the Etsy killer, and that had me scratch my head. Like, well, that says something about Etsy. So I, I'm not so quick to write Etsy off. They have a pretty strong platform. They're far bigger than what Amazon has. So I wouldn't write them off right away. And when can I listen to that Rule Breakers podcast? Podcast.fool.com, right? Oh, RBI.fool.com. Ah, check it out. All right, uh, last question then. Uh, Amazon, this is just, it feels like the latest in a series of moves from Amazon to get closer and closer to its consumers, into the homes of its buyers. Uh, we saw literally Amazon Home Services, where uh, consumers can connect to professionals if you have like a leak in your plumbing at your home. Amazon uh, Home Services is going to connect you with someone who can take care of that. It's a direct competitor to Angie's List. You've got Amazon Flex, where people like you and I can deliver packages for Amazon uh, using our own cars. It's like the Uber of Amazon delivery. Uh, It feels like Amazon is moving more and more into people's homes, into their everyday lives. JP, make a wild guess right now. What's the next move for Amazon? Where does it go from here? We've got phones, tablets, delivery services, home repair services, now handmade craft services, uh, catering, maybe? Uh, what, What are you thinking? The next thing that they can do, the you're gonna, next you're gonna stump me. Thing. I know that's that was the point. It's it's a <laughs> it's a very wide open question. Uh, uh, David, any thoughts uh, on your end? I mean, I don't know what goes on in Jeff Bezos's head, but <laughs> no, this, he's one of the most innovative thinkers that the world has seen. Uh, certainly, um, I would encourage anyone who's interested in Amazon and how Jeff Bezos approaches business and Amazon to read the Everything Store by Brad Stone. Mm. It's a great book that just kind of gives you insights into how how Amazon is run and why Jeff Bezos does what he does. It's not all arbitrary, but. Man, I, I don't know. They they could really go anywhere. Maybe more robots or things with artificial intelligence, like what they're doing with Amazon Echo. I wouldn't be surprised if they really branch that out somehow. So, you know, having devices within your home or connect, bringing more devices in your home online. Like I, I think that's something we'll we'll see more of from Amazon. It's the way of the future. Uh, anyone out there who has any thoughts that you want us to pass along to Jeff Bezos for the next move for Amazon, give us an email at radio at fool JP, David, guys, thanks for being here. Thanks, Mark. Thanks. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Mark Reith. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.